0: Good morning, everyone. Before we read God's word, let's pray. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word. and Give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's scripture reading is taken from Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, "Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them." Then he said to him, "So shall your offspring be." Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord.) Thanks be, God.
1: Okay. Right, good morning church. The Lord be with you. Now I hope you are keeping well in the Lord despite doing it tough during this time of stage 4 restrictions. Now, many of you have been adversely affected. And can I encourage all of us to keep caring for one another and keep praying for one another during this difficult time. Now if you were to be asked What is the world's greatest need today? How would you answer? Well, I guess many of us would say a vaccine against COVID-19. And that is a good answer. We need the vaccine to control the pandemic that is causing hardships and misery across the globe, not to mention the deaths of over 700,000 people worldwide and the death toll is rising. So many would say that a vaccine would be the greatest need for the world at this moment. But we know that COVID-19 is just the latest cause of human hardships. There has been many recurrent and persistent causes of human misery throughout history. Racism, injustice, Violence, poverty, corruption. Now, all these tell us that there is something seriously wrong with this world. But the question is, what exactly is wrong with this world? Well, some people say that it is the government that is wrong. Others will say that it is the system, the capitalist system that is wrong. Yet others will say that, no, it is the educational system. And of course, there are the group will always blame it on the parents. Our parenting is wrong. Now, the story is told that in the early 20th century, the Times of London sent out a survey asking famous people, what is wrong with the world then? And the English writer and excuse me, the English writer and late theologian G.K. Chesterton simply replied, Dear sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. So Chesterton acknowledged that he is the problem in the world. And this is exactly what the Bible says is wrong with the world. It is human beings themselves that are wrong. It is you and I that have caused the brokenness of this world. And Jesus says that out of a person's heart comes all kinds of evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, deceit, greed, malice, envy slander arrogance Now, all these evil thoughts will result in evil actions and that's what we see in the world today your heart and my heart and everybody else's heart that is what is wrong with this world someone has nicely summarized the world's problem in this way The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And heart here does not refer to the physical heart that pumps the blood through the body. Uh, The heart here is metaphorical. It refers to our human nature. And the problem of the human nature can be traced back to Genesis chapter 3, where we have learned that our first parents, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God. And as a result, we are all born in sin. And we are corrupt in our nature. And therefore, by nature, we are in rebellion against God, making ourselves the enemies of God. As enemies of God, we can expect his judgment against us. And we are therefore destined for condemnation, for destruction. And so we need to ask, can we escape this destruction? Can we be saved from God's judgment? And the Bible's answer is yes. We can escape God's judgment, but we need to be right before God. And so according to the Bible, our greatest need and our most urgent need is righteousness. We need to be righteous so that we are reconciled to God and be saved from his judgment. And so we desperately need this righteousness to be saved, especially in times of this pandemic, when our lives may be cut short suddenly. And so the pressing question for us today is this. If righteousness is our most urgent need, how can we get ourselves right with God? How can we be saved from God's judgment? How can we get righteousness? Or where can we get righteousness? And this is where Genesis chapter 5 gives us hope. And in this chapter, we will learn that Abraham is considered righteous for the first time. Now, Before this chapter, he was not mentioned to be righteous, even though he obeyed God to leave everything back in earth. So let us look at this chapter carefully, the first six verses, to learn what it takes for Abraham to be counted as righteous by God. And this is the most important milestone uh, in Abraham's journey of faith. And it will be ours too when we follow Abraham's example and be counted righteous as well. So we learn in uh, Genesis chapter 4 that Abraham had bravely defeated a coalition of four eastern kings to rescue his nephew Lot. But Abraham knows that the four kings may return with a bigger army to seek revenge. And so it is natural for Abraham to be afraid. He fears a reprisal. And God knows what is unsettling Abraham. God is sovereign. He knows everything. So Genesis chapter 15 opens with God speaking to Abraham. And verse 1 reads, After this, meaning after uh, uh, Abraham's victory over the, the four kings, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield your very great reward. Now, God assures Abraham that he will be his shield. And in this pandemic, uh, we know about face shields. They are there to protect us from the deadly virus. So God is telling Abraham, I will protect you from any harm from the four kings. And so Abraham can count on God's presence to safeguard him wherever he goes. And God also says that, I will be your great reward. So now this is new to Abraham, like us. Uh, Abraham would think of rewards in terms of material things. But to have God as the reward itself, that is unthinkable that is new yet god is now teaching abraham to accept him as the great reward so god wants abraham to be satisfied with him alone god wants abraham to learn to put god first in his life and this is the lesson we ought to learn as well today we need to learn to put god First, We are to be satisfied with God alone, and that means we are not to seek our meaning in material things of this world. We are not to seek our identity in other people, but we are to seek meaning and identity only in our Creator God, who has revealed Himself gloriously in Christ Jesus. And so we are to learn that God will meet all our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So likewise for Abraham, he is to learn that as his great reward, God will meet all his needs. But Abraham knows that he is still lacking in one need and this has caused him a bit of confusion a bit of disappointment and so he honestly tells god about his feelings abraham says to god in verses 2 and 3 but abraham said sovereign lord what can you give me since i remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is eliza of damascus And you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Now It has been about some 10 years now since God promised Abraham an heir. And Abraham is still childless. And so Abraham has done what childless couples in his days would do he got himself a substitute heir. He adopts a son as his servant, and the servant would eventually inherit Abraham's possessions. Now, how does God respond to Abraham's idea of a substitute heir? While God does not chastise Abraham for having a backup plan, There is no word of rebuke. Instead, God gently assures Abraham in two specific ways that he will indeed have a son. Firstly, God says clearly to Abraham that the servant Eliza will not be his heir. Instead, a son who is Abraham's own flesh and blood, he will be the real heir. And secondly, and in a most remarkable way, God directs Abraham to step out of his tent. And God tells Abraham, look up at the night sky, count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Now during the present night curfew, I have been trying to identify the different stars and the different planets in the night sky. And I can imagine Abraham marvelling at the night sky, trying to count the stars. And of course, Abraham is overwhelmed by the sheer number of stars. And he is unable to count them. And so God says to Abraham, this is how numerous your offspring will be. Now Abraham is speechless. We are not told what he said, but I think he was speechless. Yeah. He has nothing more to say. The stars above have said it all. Abraham will not only have a son, but he will have as many descendants as there are stars in the night sky. So Abraham now realizes that a delay in having a son Does not mean that God will deny his promise. Abraham knows that God can be fully trusted. He knows he will have a son. And so the first part of verse 6 tells us this Abraham believed the Lord. Now the original Hebrew text means that Abraham believes and he continues to believe. So Abraham believes, and he continues to believe God in his promise, despite the delay. And as as a result of Abraham's continuing belief, God counted Abraham as righteous. And so the second part of verse 6 reads, And he, meaning God, credited it to him as righteousness. Now, this is a landmark verse. So let me read it together, the two parts together. Abraham believed God, uh, believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, I suggest that you take some time to memorize this and meditate on this verse because this verse gives us the understanding of how we can truly obtain righteousness. The righteousness that puts us in a state of acceptance by God. The righteousness that enables us to stand in favor with God. The righteousness that reconciles us to God. And the righteousness that will save us from God's judgment. So righteousness is what every person needs today. And if it is made available to everyone, then you and I must make sure that we do not miss out. Now the apostles, uh, the apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Romans and also in his letter to the Galatians that there are two ways to obtain righteousness. One way is to obtain it through good works, religious works. And so you keep the religious laws, you attend church, you get baptized, you do good deeds, and you don't break the Ten Commandments and you will earn your righteousness. But there is a problem in this way. Can you keep the law perfectly? Can I keep the law perfectly? Well, you and I know from experience that we do not always do the things we ought to do, and we often do things we shouldn't do. Our tendency is to try to break the law. And we do break the law intentionally, like when we go over the speed limit. So no one can earn righteousness through the works of the law. Rather, by the works of the law, we become conscious of our failures. We become aware that we are sinful. And that is why Paul says categorically that no one can be righteous through good works. So we therefore need the second way to obtain righteousness. And Paul says that the second way is the righteousness by faith or through faith. And Paul refers to Abraham's faith. As the star example of obtaining righteousness by faith. And quoting Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, Paul says that Abraham was fully persuaded that God would fulfill his promise, and his faith in God was credited to him as righteousness. And so, this is the good news that it is by faith and not by works, that we can obtain this righteousness. It is important for us to be very clear here. You must notice that Abraham's righteousness is not the result of any accomplishment. It is not the result of him building an altar and sacrificing a sacrifice to God. It is, not an, it is not due to his acts of obedience. It is not because he is very religious. No. Abraham's righteousness is simply the result of him believing in God's promise to him. It is by faith alone. And faith is fully trusting God in his promise. So friends, we too can be credited with righteousness when we have the same faith as Abraham. And so we ask, how do we have the same faith as Abraham? Well, by believing and continue to believe in God's promise to us. Believing and continue to believe in God's promise to us. But what is God's promise to us? Well, God's promise to us is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul, in the same letter to the Romans, summarizes the gospel message with these words He said, If you declare With your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this is from Romans chapter 10, verse 9, and you may want to look it up later. But let me read this verse again. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So Paul is saying this, God has promised us salvation. God has promised to save us and give us eternal life. But to be saved, we need to believe two things about God and about Jesus. First, we must believe and continue to believe that Jesus is Lord. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it means that um, you must believe that Jesus is God. You see, Lord is the Greek Old Testament name for God. So to declare Jesus is Lord is to declare that Jesus is divine and he has supreme authority over all all of us. Now, sadly, there are people who claim to be Christians, who call themselves Christians, but they don't believe that Jesus is God. And so they will not be saved. To be saved, we must declare Jesus is Lord. Now, the second thing we need to believe about God and Jesus is this. We need to believe and continue to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, the phrase God raised Jesus from the dead is a reference to Jesus' entire earthly work. So, Jesus lived the perfect and righteous life. He died on the cross to take the punishment for our sins. But God raised him up on the third day. And Jesus' resurrection proved that his work on the cross was successful and was effective. Our sins are now forgiven. And God credits Jesus' righteousness to us. So this is the amazing good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ what we cannot do for ourselves, what we cannot get righteousness through our works, Jesus has done it for us on our behalf. We cannot be righteous on our own, but Jesus has given us his righteousness. We are unrighteous, but Jesus is righteous. Jesus died for us, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God and save us. So friends, brothers and sisters, stop trusting in your own good works because you will not get the righteousness you need to be saved. Instead, you need to to trust Jesus. You need to trust in Jesus' finished work for your righteousness. You see, the Bible says salvation is found in no other name but Jesus. So I pray that you will put your faith in Jesus. Believe that Jesus is God. Believe that He died for your sins. Believe that Jesus will raise you up on the last day to eternal life. When you believe God's promise in Jesus, God will count your faith as righteousness. God did it for Abraham and God will do it for you. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of Abraham when he believed in you and you credited his faith as righteousness. And so with this proper understanding of how we can be saved, Please help us not to trust in our own works, but to trust in Jesus Christ for our righteousness. And may we be ever grateful. And may we show our gratitude for your gift of salvation through faith in Christ by the love we show our neighbors. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you will give us the strength to endure. These present difficulties, grant us joy as we live out the Christian life, and may the peace in our heart be a testimony to the goodness of your law of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.